All right, everyone. Before we start the episode today, we would like to present some facts, not alternative facts, about meatloaf. Some of them might be alternative just because I can't remember what I read, but let's go for it. We Googled these. So fact number one, Meatloaf's seminal work, Bat Out of Hell, in the 1970s, currently sells 200,000 copies a year. 200,000. The more surprising thing is that people are still buying albums in their entirety. Right, that is weird. And Meatloaf is the, Bat Out of Hell is the second highest selling album of all time. Wait. In Australia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Huge following in Australia. So, Australia, sorry that President Trump hates you, but we you gave have, you meatloaf. We gave Quit you complaining. meatloaf. Okay. You're welcome. Signed, America. Welcome back to Uneaten Food, a Bachelor podcast with Brock and Christy. This should be episode six, but it's only episode five. Brock, why is that? You know what? Let's take a look at the numbers to find out why. Okay, yeah. First episode, 178 listens. Swing, swing. That felt really good. That felt really we good. We worked really hard on that. Really validating. The second episode, 357 listens. At that point, we were on fire. We were on fire. We were we were jazzed. Nothing could hold us down. We were going out to dinner with money we didn't even have. Yeah, no. We were going out to dinner with the blue apron money that we were sure was coming our way through advertising. So it was a good day. The third week, we went down to 208 listens, which is okay. You know, that was actually inauguration day, so we were anticipating a drop. Uh, still a little disappointing to not see that, you know, consecutive growth, but it was okay. We were still at 200. Then two weeks ago, Brock, how many listens did our podcast get? 92. 92. So that was pretty demoralizing. A lot of work goes into these podcasts. A lot of work. And it's like, if I'm only going to get 92 listens, it's a labor of love, but I also don't want it to be like pearls before swine. So I don't have the milk of mother's kindness in me anymore. There's another reason why we didn't do an episode last week. We started Game of Thrones. Sorry, we have no more lives. It's so good. And I will say, it has colored my viewing of The Bachelor. Really? Yeah. I'll explain a little bit. I got a okay. theory about Nick. All right. We've got a theory about Nick that pertains to Game of Thrones, but also when you start watching that show, you don't do anything else. So that's why. But also the pearls before swine thing and the listens and the vanity, we, we didn't like. We don't do it for you, we do it for ourselves. We really do, so tell your friends. Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked, I enjoy being liked, I have to be liked, but it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. Let's jump to the rose ceremony. Okay. Can I tell you, this is the first rose ceremony where I, I felt pain. You felt pain? This was a rough rose ceremony. Who did you feel pain over? First thing we lost, first person we lost was Josephine, mm -hmm. who went home and immediately packed her bikinis. <laughs> 
She's off to paradise, guaranteed. And that that last those last couple episodes of her being Corinne's friend and getting a lot of screen time, mm-hmm. that helped a lot. So she was playing the Daniel to her Chad. Yeah, she had a fantastic change of strategy last episode where she went from going for Nick to going for Bachelor in Paradise yep. and being Corinne's it's a confidant. Good strategy. It was fantastic. But man, Alexis. They call it Flipper. I was so sad about that. I was really sad. Why were you sad about it? Well, I thought like between her and Whitney, first off, how much screen time has Whitney gotten before this? Literally nothing. And so I kind of saw it as a toss up, except with Whitney being objectively hotter. Uh, but yeah, it was just sad to see her go. Objectively, but man, Alexis's personality was I awesome. Know. She was the best part of every kicker. Mm-hmm. She was the kicker for every for show. For every episode. I'm I'm gonna miss Alexis, but you know what? We'll see her at VIP too. We have, we've got some great contestants. We really do. Up. I think honestly, it's funny because you know, I think a lot of people see Bachelor in Paradise as the place where the rejects go, but really, I think that the Bachelor and the Bachelorette are the farm team for VIP. She should have stayed in St. Martin's, where they probably have a lot of dolphin I- trainers. She could have. She didn't make really it there. Well. She didn't make it there. She didn't make the same. No, Martins? she got eliminated. It I'm was so it was St. Thomas. It was St. Thomas. Thomas. Um. So yeah, she didn't get to go there, and Jasmine did. Even though Jasmine had already been to St. Thomas, she didn't need to be in St. Thomas. <laughs> that was so great. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to her. Okay. So they all get to St. Thomas. Uh, first and foremost, though, they have to plug the Marriott they're staying at. So we get a good solid 20, 25 seconds of that. I wonder if Marriott pays by the second for those endorsements. If I were going on The Bachelor, I would buy stock in the Marriott before I got on. That's true. This is it. I'm going over the top right here. I'm the market right here, right now, because I know more than anybody. But I like the Marriott. It's I have okay. no complaints. Their it's breakfast okay. kind of sucks. I like the Embassy Suites better. Embassy Suites treats you nice. I mean, with the word embassy in it. I know. You I feel know like it. an ambassador. And sweets. Come on. It's Brittany, bitch. But after the beautiful Marriott, we see that Christina has gotten the one-on-one. And Jasmine has a freaking meltdown. Yeah, Jasmine. Jasmine's going to find out later on in the episode just how insignificant she is to this show. It's true. I feel... I feel bad for her. I, I sympathize with her because, I mean, at this point, she's been there for over a month and, like, has not had any one-on-one time with him. So, yeah, that's hard. And he keeps canceling the cocktail parties left and right, which is annoying. Yeah, what's up with Nick? This is, like, 50... He's, like, a 50% cocktail party killer. Yeah, so weird. And I don't get that, and I don't like it because that's when all the strategy happens. They're, they The women vie for time. There's stealing involved. We're almost out of time, so I will instead ask each candidate to sum up in a single word the best argument for his candidacy. Governor Bush? Strategery. Well, and that's how we get to know the women, too. Like, anyway, yeah, it really And that's how me. Nick gets to know the women, and I think this plays into his meltdown, which we're going to talk about later on. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, like, I have so many conflicting emotions, all this stuff. It's like, well, maybe if you didn't cancel the cocktail parties, you'd get to know the women better individually, and you could make better decisions. Yeah, because group dates, they don't help. And feel more confident in them. Yeah, the group dates you are need worthless. need the one-on-one time. Really, the group dates are worthless. If I went on a group date, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, I would... I would prefer to have a cocktail party rather than a group date. At least at a cocktail party, A, you know you're going to look hot, and B, you know you're going to get one-on-one time with them and a make-out. 60% of the time, it works every time. Yep. It's, it's perfect. No games, anyway. No so volleyball. Jasmine we'll has a meltdown. But then 
they he and Christina go off and they like have drinks on some ledge somewhere and they start talking about their past. And I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> Holy cow. Can we talk about that? I know. Christina's date put a whole new perspective on this show. Because imagine, they're going to all these different suites. They're going to all these Marriott's. They have all this food. Christina has to listen to all these girls complain about stuff. And she literally got kicked out of her house for eating when she was five. Yeah. Because she was hungry. Yes. Unbelievable. She has the, I think she has the most amazing story out of any contestant ever. Even Sanderson Poe is up there going, oh my gosh. Like, I just got topped. That is, that is crazy. I'm Sanderson <laughs> Poe. I was married to, his name was Sanderson Poe. That was an amazing story. And I thought Nick, you know, Nick really liked it. I think, I think he liked it. And I think it was really a shock for him. He was like, holy crap. Like, I was making out with, you know, Sandra D on the, you know, at the park. Sandra D. Sandra D. Was this before or after at she became a in, pink lady? I don't know. Uh, before. I think he made her a pink lady. <laughs> Sandy. Tell me about it. Stop. And I maybe that played into his meltdown later is he's got someone like Corinne who has no emotional depth to her and then someone like Christina who has almost too much like holy cow like that's insane her story is insane like what if you are just newly dating her what do you do with that no one can ever accuse her of not being vulnerable that's for dang sure um and she held it she held it back because she wanted it was almost like she told nick a two couple weeks ago like listen if you want to hear my story i need you to invest in me mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. i tell it that was incredible. And Amazing. This, yeah, this put a whole new light on what she did. Amazing. No, yeah, that was that was such a good move. Uh, and she deserved, like, a person with that kind of a past deserves at least that much. Like, that's not something that you just bring out, you know, at a cocktail party no. in a desperate last-minute attempt to stay on the show. Uh, she made Nick invest in her mm -hmm. before she became vulnerable. And he like really, that. and he really seems to to genuinely like her too. I think he likes her. I think yeah. he respects her. We were asked the question. What the hell was that? What are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, hey, you stop! I didn't think that a group date could get any dumber than what we saw last week, but once again, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> Except the producers didn't redeem themselves. They actually just got dumber. Uh, this group date, so terrible. You know, when Moses came down off Mount Vesuvius, he had 11 commandments. Vesuvius. Or, sorry, Olympus. Don't think it was that either. When Moses came down from Mount Rainier, <laughs> he had 11 <laughs> commandments. Guys, we need to go to church more. And the 11th one was... Thou shalt not play volleyball in the wind. Or in sand. It is so aggravating. In the sand, in the wind. This is my problem with this, okay? What? They were playing three on three in a tro like It looked like a tropical storm. In the <laughs> sand. Yeah, I read, I think it was Reality Steve, or I saw... <gasps> you read Reality no, Steve? No, I stay away from that website for the <gasps> life of me because I hate spoilers, but I read someone who had read Reality Steve who said that they were competing for the attention of Nick. 
like the winner of that volleyball game got more time with him or something because there is no other logical explanation for all these women to have complete mental breakdowns. Ha ha, yeah, 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 maybe they're all cycling together. Okay, shut up. That's not why. When we get mad, you always ask us if we're on our periods. I have to know whether you're serious or not. I wish I could menstruate. If I could menstruate, I wouldn't have to deal with idiotic calendars anymore. I'd just be able to count down from my previous cycle. Plus, I'd be more in tune with the moon and the tides. Do you think the girls maybe don't think Nick is as great as the producers want us to think? I think they're starting to think that. Because Nick's on the sidelines. He's not even playing this game Yeah, what them. the heck? Yeah, he's on the sidelines like some kind of king... Game of Thrones reverence, looking over, you know, these women playing this game, and all of them said, like, I should, I don't have to compete for I Nick. Know. I don't want to compete for this guy. Totally. And here's what was so telling about it to me was that, like, it wasn't Jasmine saying these things. I still think Jasmine has every right to be frustrated, but you had women like Rachel, like Vanessa. Really, you know, the top contenders. The all-stars. The all-stars. You had the all-stars being like, this is stupid. This is dumb. But the big breakdown comes later with Jasmine. And it wasn't even just Jasmine's breakdown. This was this was the beginning of Nick's red wedding. The bloodbath. The bloodbath. Yep. I've never seen so many women kicked off the show outside of a cocktail party. Here's in the one thing. episode. We had six women kicked off the show this week. That's a lot. That is that is Dude, crazy. He went on like a King Joffrey bender. Bring me his head. So do you want to hear my Game of Thrones theory okay. about this? Spill okay. It. So we've been watching, we watched one season of Game of Thrones, and we've learned two things, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing, if you have a dragon, you have the power. Mm -hmm. Okay? The second thing is if you have the power and you're paranoid, you will kill people until you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. But you're never comfortable. I just got chills. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So... We found out at the end of this episode that Nick is not comfortable on this show. He's not comfortable with these women. He's not comfortable with this setup. And he is letting them go left and right. I think, yeah, no, I think that's the realization that he's come to. The whole world is crumbling around him. Winter is coming. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, it is. And he's just like, what am I doing here? This doesn't work for me. This hasn't worked for me. Winter is coming. All the stuff Nick has done on this show in the prior seasons, what has he been? Contestant. He's been a contestant, right? When you're a contestant... There's only one woman you're looking towards. Mm -hmm. And it's real easy to fall in love with that woman. She's the only person in front of you. Mm -hmm. So Nick fell in love with that woman very fast in the last few seasons. She's right? the queen of the seven kingdoms. Yes. But now Nick is the bachelor. And all of a sudden he's realizing it's not as easy to fall in love with one woman, woman when you have six in front of you. And he's not used to this. This is a new feeling. And I think he's freaking out because he doesn't feel that connection with one woman. I feel like at this point, he should just take the black. Just exile himself to Trump's wall mm -hmm. and take yep. the black. Exactly. Just vow of celibacy because this isn't working out for him. Just get the guy a wolf or whatever. He is the bastard son of the Bachelor franchise. <laughs> a bastard boy with nothing to inherit. We want Off to talk to about Jasmine just a little bit because I think it's really easy to cast her as, you know, the emotional, crazy girl. 
when I think there's more to it than that. And I really empathize with her. Okay. So tell me why. Well, okay. So here's the thing. In every season, there is one girl, solid player, who just gets the short end of the stick. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Ultimately, you know, when Nick is choosing the one-on-ones at the very beginning of the season, that's kind of just like, eh, like he doesn't know enough about anybody to really make a definitive choice. He's just, you know, more or less pulls it out of a hat. And so those girls, you know, by sheer circumstance and luck, more or less, they become more more of a front runner. It's a numbers game. It, it totally is. And so here's Jasmine, who is a total catch, who just her name wasn't pulled out of the hat. And now it's too late for that to happen. And now all the other relationships that just started based purely on luck are moving ahead of her and there's nothing she can do about it. She deserves to be there as much as anybody else, but she just got the short end of the stick and that would suck. See, here's my thing with Jasmine, okay? okay? I think that within the first two or three weeks, I think Nick has separated the girls into two groups, okay? There's six he's separated into the contenders and the rest are the insignificance. And what happens is they get booted off the show every week, one at a time. There always has to be one final insignificant, one last irrelevant. And she always feels like she gets the short end of the stick. And it's Jasmine. And it's you're right, it's not fair. But you know what? She complained that she wasn't getting any reassurances. I say if you're not getting reassurances, it's because you had nothing to reassure. And I feel in like we're place. saying kind of the same thing. I think we are. The group date ends, but the red wedding is just getting started. And for those of you that are new to the Bachelor franchise... Ryan Decker. Ryan Decker. We're talking to you. Are uh, you so glad that you got a shout out in our podcast because you whined about us not doing it last week so much? Look him up on the Washington Post. He's a regular uh, commentator. I Game of Thrones two to three times. <laughs> I was quoted in WAPO about Game of Thrones. Loser! And you can't even get your kid to eat a bite of chicken. Ha <laughs> ha! I haven't found the right girl. When I do, I will ask her out. Has anyone in this family ever even seen a chicken? The Lincoln. Oh, come on! Making fun of friends is really fun, but let's get back to Bachelor analysis. Yeah, for those of you, like I said, that are new to the Bachelor franchise, it is rare to see a back-to-back two-on-one. Two-on-ones are so dumb, they're not even a date. It's basically in a helicopter or on a boat going to their execution. That's all it is. It is just one long protracted walk to your demise. And I'm sensing a disturbing trend felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I feel something terrible has happened. I feel like more often than not, they end with both women going home. Mm-hmm. Corinne is the only one, I think, in a while that survived the two-on-one. Uh, yeah, you're right. Every now and then, someone Every slips now through. and then. It's about a 50-50 shot, I would say. A 50-50 shot, someone's coming home, or both are going home. Yeah, but the way Danielle went home, this was really surprising. Yeah. I could see Whitney going home, but then Danielle, she drops the L word. And she doesn't even say, I love you. She says, I am falling in love with you. 
Which is not, I don't think it's that That's bad like to That's like nothing. Say. I feel like they make such a big deal of that. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, you put me on a date with anyone and you could reasonably say that. Like, I mean, uh, at any given time, like, yes, I am falling in love with you. Like, I know your name. I know you're a person. We're on a date. I feel good about this date. You could technically say I'm falling in love with you at any time in any given relationship. And it would be true. Yeah. And this brings me back to my theory about Nick, right? Danielle has these feelings for Nick. But Nick just can't reciprocate them yet. But instead of backing off and letting time kind of take its course, he just cut her. Mm-hmm. He sent her home so fast, mm-hmm. which makes me a little confused about why he didn't do that with Raven. Uh, yeah, Raven, when she said that, she had more of kind of a fun, like happy-go-lucky. Like it slipped. Like it slipped Danielle's out. was very was cute. choreographed. Yeah, they were like on a one-on-one, like at dinner in a prison or something. That was weird. But to be honest, though, maybe, maybe Nick is just following his gut. I mean, looking at it, do you really see Danielle getting to hometown? No, I, I don't. I didn't. Well, did you before this? I didn't. Like, I don't think their connection was that great. It was one of it was the connection that he has with Corinne where it's like, I'm so happy you're happy. I'm happy you're happy. I'm happy, you know. Yeah, there just didn't seem to be a whole lot of depth there. She would just she would just like laugh at everything, kind of play everything off. I don't know. Again, it needs time, but maybe Nick was just following his heart and his gut in that moment just being like, "You know what? I honestly can't see it working out." Cuz I any reasonable person could probably read that on the wall. But yeah. And did you notice there was a lot of anti-Delo sentiment in the house, too, which I was surprised about. When they went on the two-on-one, they cut back to the house, and the, all the girls were talking like, I don't see him and D'Lo together. I don't see D'Lo marrying him. Over and over and over. So maybe there's stuff about D'Lo that maybe. we Maybe. And even Whitney alluded to that when she was getting kicked off. She was like, do you really see yourself marrying Danielle? And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? That's super weird. Because Danielle just seems like really likable and everything. And that's a really gutsy thing to say if you don't have any connection at all with Nick. Yeah. So I thought she was just being petty in the moment, but maybe there's something more to it. Maybe there was. Yeah. And she also called him out because it's like, hey, we're on a two on one. But Danielle's had way more time with you than I have. It was an obvious unfair two on one. Yeah. No, so, I, I, Whitney, I'm glad she stuck up for herself. Yeah, Whitney was set up so, and she called it out. She's going to be on Bachelor in Paradise. She's going to be like the Sam of yeah, Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, she's going to be the Sam. Like the super hot girl who for some reason didn't make it far in the season and that everyone like freaks out over. So that'll be good. Give me that rose. Give me that rose. <laughs> I give zero right now. I'm just like, give me that rose. And lastly, we have to talk about Nick's little breakdown. Little breakdown? Yeah. Balled his eyes out. Told the girls he was confused. Cried. Ran away. And not a single one followed him out the door. That's not good. You are one pathetic loser. (laughs) No offense. I wrote this. I actually wrote this at the end of the episode because I was so touched by Nick's, uh, Nick's emotional kind of search for himself. Um, So I'm just going to read it from here. Okay. It says... This is like a eulogy. Yeah, I mean, it could be. (laughs) You might not come back next week. This isn't just Nick's search for a partner. This is Nick's emotional search for himself. It's so much deeper than a rose or a group date or a candlelight dinner. This isn't Nick falling in love. This is Nick 
learning to love. That's really good. I think you're right. I think the worst decision Nick made was sending home the mental health counselor. You know what? I think we've come full circle on this episode, and I think you're right. I don't think that Nick has the... What's the word? I forget the word. It's like... Oh, that's right. Emotional intelligence to be on this show. Maybe him and Corinne belong together after all. I think that that's going to be the big reveal. I'm calling it now. Corinne's going to win. It's tw- You know what? If there's anything this pat, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Donald Trump won the presidency. Corinne's going to win Nick. It's just, it's a cruel world that we live in. It's a cruel world. It doesn't make any sense. These games we play. These I, I games. Corinne. For Thrones. <laughs> I can't even say anything else. That's so good. Winter is coming. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Uneaten Food, a Bachelor podcast with Brock and Christy. Hopefully it gets a lot of views. We'll see. Because we might vindictively not do an episode next week just to teach you all a lesson. And don't forget to tune in next week as we dissect Corinne's nightmare as she continues to win this show <laughs> and, and torpedo her chances wouldn't at that, Paradise. Wouldn't that be so funny? If she got on this, she was coming in like Donald Trump. She's like, I'm just going to come in here. This is going to be great for my business. And then the season keeps going and she keeps going and going. And pretty soon he's down on one knee and she is like, We need a leader that wrote the art of the deal. I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. Free trade can be wonderful if you have smart people, but we have people that are stupid. I like China. I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China. They have bridges that make the George Washington Bridge look like small potatoes. I don't need anybody's money. It's nice. I'm really rich. I love the Saudis. Many are in this building. Obama, a year ago, Yemen was a great victory. Two weeks later, the place was blown up.